Hello, everyone. This is Lance Mullen, host of the MSU WMA podcast. Today, our guest is Dominique Henderson. Dominique is an Investopedia Top 100 advisor who founded DJH Capital Management and Jumpstart Coaching. I had the opportunity to talk with him about his experiences as an advisor, the motto of it's time to start changing family trees, future of the industry, and CFP student advice. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to the MSU WMA podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Dominique Henderson. Dominique, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thanks, Lance, for having me. I'm anxious to yeah. uh, get into this. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to kind of give a background of kind of who you are, what you do, um, and just kind of go over a little background? Yeah, yeah. Here's the um, the maybe not 30 second elevator pitch, maybe like 90 seconds. So I uh, started in financial services in 1998, uh, worked for a hedge fund, had always had a love for finance, um, was you know lucky to learn a lot on that job, spent eight years there. Um, and then I left what was would be would be termed institutional financial services and put my focus on personal financial services. So um, a lot of things that you might be familiar with, which is, you know, getting your life in health and your series seven and your series 66 and start working for a firm. Um, and as most career changers do, or most people that are getting into this field, they don't always stay where they are first Um when they first get their job or first opportunity. So I spent, you know, a few years there, but ended up at a larger firm um, doing a lot of stuff and learning a lot of things about uh, myself, as well as how financial planning is, is done, um, learning trading and different functions, learning the different sides of the business, as far as being in a wirehouse to going to hybrid into a, a independent uh, RIA. And um, that led me to want to start my own firm. And during that whole process, I was learning a lot about myself, going back to school, getting my graduate degree, uh, found out about CFP, all that kind of stuff. And so now you see me in 2022, where I have DJH Capital Management, which is my wealth management firm, which I've been running for six years, and also uh, Jumpstart Coaching Lab. So that's my consulting firm where I help a lot of people trying to get into the industry and navigate what I did uh, a little bit more succinctly since I have that knowledge and I can share that with you. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, do you want to kind of share a little bit more about like your coaching style, uh, maybe help some people that are listening about um, some of their career changes, what they're kind of thinking through, maybe some, whether they're thinking investment banking or like private equity or just in some other industry, maybe marketing and shifting over to financial planning. Yeah, I think, Lance, the, the biggest thing that I always help people with is their why, right? At, at the end of the day, if you're making a switch or you're just new to this, it's good to start with why you want to do it. W what change in your life necessitates changing your career? Or how, how do you see yourself impacting and helping people, especially when it comes to personal financial services, which are way more personal than finance? You know, you're going to be talking to people about their life, their life changes, their job, their family, their money, all that kind of stuff. So you need to have a good reason as to why you're wanting to go down this field, because um, like most things that are worth it in life, it's extremely difficult. Um, and you're going to, you know, come through some 
some <laughs> probably some valleys and, and some mountaintops. But, you know, studying for exams, um, going to, for the CFP designation, finishing school, you know, all this kind of stuff can be pretty daunting. And I think having a really good why and or motivation for why you're wanting to go down this field, um, besides just make a lot of money, which you can do, um, mm -hmm. I, I think is is a good, good starting point. Yeah. And do you want to kind of elaborate a little bit more about some of your personal um, avenues and kind of tell us about how you've uh, had some success in your business or maybe some challenges that you've had being an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Everybody goes through this stuff, right? Um, I was interviewing a industry friend who runs the FPA externship. Her name is Hannah Moore. And we were talking about how this industry is not a, you know, a real straight linear path. It's often very, you know, zigzag and lateral, right? You make a lot of different types of moves that may not be that conventional. And I know for my part, you know, I start with my personal mission and my why, which is I strongly believe um, that really great financial advice has the ability to change family trees. And so I believe everybody should have that opportunity. And that's the reason why I do what I do, realizing that I can't serve everybody. And so um, part of my contribution to the industry at this point in my career is to share the knowledge that I have uh, via content, via coaching, via whatever I do in order to help more people get into the industry so that they can um, start helping people change their their family tree. And it, it's just been one of those things where, you know, I haven't done everything perfect um, and, and I still, you know, strive to learn and do more. There's more things, you know, I'm still learning, um, even this being my 22nd year in the industry. But nonetheless, I, I still feel that success is defined individually by the person, depending on what type of goals you want. And as long as you can... I think as long as you can be really clear about who you're trying to help, and if you put that first, then success will follow. That's just kind of my own personal philosophy. If you if you provide yeah. enough value for people in their lives, then that will that value will be returned to you, uh, usually in spades. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and you kind of touched on. It seems like your motto is it's time to change some of the family trees. Um, do you want to kind of elaborate more on like the story behind that? What's like more, more of the goal of that? Yeah, I think it's just, it's really simple. It's, you know, there are a lot of people that struggle financially and I feel it's unnecessary. And I think most of that struggle comes in the fact that um, finances and personal finances are, is not common enough to be talked about from, you know, let's call it age three and up. Most people don't get this type of knowledge about financial literacy and or financial education until they get to high school or sometimes as late as college or even their first or second job. And so by that time, you've got all these decisions that you've made that have to do with money that you may have screwed mm. up. Um, and I just think whether you hire a financial advisor or a financial professional or not, that knowledge should be something that people have earlier in life so that they can make better informed decisions. So that's the whole notion around changing okay. family trees, because when you have this knowledge, you're going to do things differently. You're going to handle money differently. You're going to be able to resolve conflict that you have with money or maybe money stories or, you know, history that you have around that. And you're going to be able to allow that better decision that you made, the bigger, better decision, if you will, 
that to have the compound of compounding effect, you know, you know about compound interest, right? The longer yeah. you have it uninterrupted, the better it works for you. Well, the same with knowledge. So think about having knowledge about debt and credit cards and investing, you know, years earlier in your life versus years later in your life. Um, you just allow that knowledge to work and compound for you a little bit longer. So that's the whole notion behind changing family trees. Yeah, I love that. And do you do you think that there's any difference or something that we can do to change kind of that education? Do you think it needs to start in school better, or is there something we can do outside of school? Um, great question. Um, I think at the time of this that we're talking here, maybe there's seventeen to twenty ish states in the United States that require some type of financial literacy in order to graduate. Uh, that number, in my opinion, should be 50. Um, we yeah. have 50 states, it should be 50. Um, and so that's more of a, let's call it legislative issue at the state level that probably has, yeah. to, take, uh, has to take place. Um, but nonetheless, let's say you live in a state that does not have that requirement and you are a parent and you have kids, you can easily read different books on financial education and or literacy and pass that knowledge on to your kids. So mm -hmm. to your question about, you know, should it happen in school? Should it happen outside of school? Should it happen in both? I think it should happen in both as often as necessary um, yeah. in order to give people the, the knowledge that they need. For sure. I totally agree. And then as far as financial planning, um, this kind of correlates a little bit, but where do you see like the future of the industry going? Do you see it changing at all or do you see it kind of staying the same or you want to touch on that a little it, bit i think it will change it has evolved um quite a bit um just for those that are listening that don't know financial services is a relatively young industry as compared to things like medicine or law um so when you think about roughly the mid 70s ish is where you know personalized financial planning kind of took off, you know, we're only talking about 50 years. So mm -hmm. there's a lot more, I think that's coming down the pike and, you know, uh, individuals like yourself that will be part of the next generation, I think are going to bring a lot of new ideas and innovation. I think that is necessary, right? You know, I, I always compare this to, cause I'm a, I, I'm kind of interesting, I guess, in the sense that I am, um, I'll be 47 next year mm -hmm. and the generation I'm in is kind of sandwiched in between. We didn't have te technology. I still remember a, a phone, like a pay phone <laughs> and <I, laughs> cell phones. Right. So yeah, I'm kind of sandwiched in between that and I've kind of adopted more of the technology. So I, I'm of the persuasion, you know, if we can automate all these things and have all this convenience at our fingertip, whether it be Netflix or DoorDash or Amazon prime, I kind of feel that financial services should have some of that also, right? We shouldn't mm -hmm. be so stuffy and buttoned up and all this other kind of stuff. I think it should be much more easier for people to have conversations with financial professionals uh, and exchange knowledge um, so that they can get to where they want to go in life versus maybe the image that people have had of, you know, let's say Wolf of Wall Street or Boiler Room or any of those kind of yeah. movies. Or, you know, it, it seems like the financial advisor or the financial professional is so far removed from, you know, let's call it Joe Public. So 
I think I see a more of a convergence um, across that relationship, hopefully going forward. And I, I also hope to see a lot more, uh, let's call it technological disruption in the industry, you know, whether that's um, making texting, you know, a little bit more ubiquitous instead of it being yeah. that, oh, it, it's not compliant to text your client, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I look for a lot of those innovations going forward and hopefully those changes happen more rapidly. And kind of like how you touched on like the movies and stuff. Like, I feel like there's this stigma behind the finance industry, like the Wolf of Wall Street, the boiler room, like those are what it's made out to be. And that's not really what it is. And people always say like money is a sensitive topic that you shouldn't talk about, but I feel like it's not talked about enough. What is, what's your standpoint on that? Uh, no, I would agree. I would think that, um, uh, I think, I don't know how long ago this was. This was on a, this is a few or several, <laughs> several uh, podcast episodes ago on my, on my podcast. I was talking uh, with a guest and they were saying how, uh, and I don't remember where the survey was found, but it was basically like people are more comfortable talking about their dating and their sex life than they are about money. And we recorded this back in like maybe 2019 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's still amazing that, you know, um, that that the topic of money, because it's so personal, I believe, um, is is still not talked about in the way that it will allow people to have more freedom, more economic freedom um, in their choices. And because, you know, here's the deal is like, you get a job, you don't know about money, you kind of feel like you should know all you should know about it because you earn the money, but that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily make your decision-making really good because you don't have a really good strategy or a rubric for making that those decisions. You're making them a lot out of your, you know, your own personal story and your own personal bias. It, it, to, to have somebody come in that is objective to say, hey, Lance, why are you spending money every month on this? If you say your financial goal is, you know, something else, yeah. um, that is often really helpful, uh, just that accountability so that you can actually reach the goal. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, if you want to go work out or something like that, you know, you might hire a personal trainer or a gym buddy because they're going to keep you accountable and be like, hey, you know, yeah. we said we're going to work out, you know, four days a week. We said we're going to do legs today. We said we're going to do chest tomorrow. That kind of stuff is really helpful. And so it makes sense that you should have something like that similar when it comes to dealing with your money. Yeah. And you, you mentioned at the beginning that you're a financial coach and uh, kind of a mentor and you kind of get this stigma that a lot of people like to call themselves coaches or the quarterback of a financial plan. And there's obviously different styles of coaching. What do you consider your style to be and how do people respond to it? Um, in a word, my style is practical. <laughs> I, I'm not the sharpest uh, knife in the drawer or the you know greatest tool in the shed, if you will. But I, I do, I do think I do a couple things well, which is um, I'm always really great at asking questions um, to kind of find out the reason behind something. And so, yeah. a, a lot of reason, a lot of in a lot of ways, I bring that to the coaching and the mentoring and training that I do 
you know, when someone comes in contact with or learns about Jumpstart and, and, and what we're doing to kind of prepare and or help people enter this industry, um, most of the comments that I get happen to be around, you seem very genuine, you seem very authentic. And that's the only way I really know how to do it is um, not, you know, showing you one side of Dominique that's with his clients versus, you know, the guy that likes to drink wine and spend time with his wife versus the guy yeah. that likes to read. You know, th those are all the same people, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're obviously in different, you know, in different capacities, but the point being, yeah. um, I just show up with, you know, what I feel is relevant information, whether, um, you know, whether it offends people or not. I, obviously, I try not to do that on purpose, but for instance, you know, a lot of what I say um, for instance, on some of my lives or on social media, you know, I, I make a reference to a part of the industry that I feel is broken. And sometimes mm -hmm. I call it a broken dealer for good reason. That doesn't that does not mean that um, everybody that works for a broker dealer or in that scheme is bad or that yeah. there are some good ones. It just means that that's a part of the industry that I look at and I see that it's broken. And so I call it. Uh, what yeah. it is. And so that's pretty much my style is just kind of say how, you know, say what it is. Yeah. I kind of like that straight up mentality, be who you are. And I think that's how you succeed in life. Um, and you mentioned how you're active on social media and you also have a pretty successful podcast. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, um, and we're actually, you know, always making changes, always trying to improve. So we have conversations for financial professionals that in about four weeks, we'll be finishing up season seven. So we have over each season is roughly about 10 episodes. We kind of do sprinkle in some lives in that point in time. So it's been about 70 episodes of just like great conversation, content, insight, knowledge about the industry. Um, and we'll see how long we keep it up. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. one of those things where, uh, there's a lot of interest that I have, a lot of other things that I want to do for the industry, for myself personally, in my wealth management firm. And so um, that's that. That's how usually people find me is because a lot of that content is out there, obviously, on, uh, you know, uh, iTunes or YouTube and stuff like that. So that's typically how a lot of people find me. And then, you know, over time, it's been about four years now we've accumulated somewhat of a, you know, a following or a, a community. Yeah. And um, I like to say that the home of the community is really the internet. So it doesn't really matter where we congregate around because that's changed over time too. But at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of people trying to connect and network to find their place in the industry. That's all it is. At the end yeah. of the day, I don't care if you become a financial coach. I don't care if you become a CFP. I don't care if you work for the broken dealer or an independent RA or if you start your own. I just want you to find the people in this world that you're called to help. If yeah. I can help you find that, I feel like I've done my job and um, and and you you will be the better for it. So that's kind of the goal. And so I've done a lot of things over my years. And I think one of the things that I want to be known for um, after I'm no longer on this earth is my contribution to the industry by the way of helping people find their right spot. And we'll definitely put your channel and your uh, social media in our description below. Um, but I kind of want to touch more on kind of, you said earlier, you got to know your why. 
and you got to know why you, you want to be in the industry. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your why and why you do it? Uh, yeah. I mean, so the family trees thing is a big thing. Um, I, I've, I have been of the persuasion for a long time now that after a certain point of, let's call it success, meeting your goals, um, gaining momentum, um, one of the duties of of a, of a person, and at least I take this personally, is to hold the door open for other people. And so that's kind of the, that's part of the reason why I do it. Now, I, I, I tremendously enjoy talking with all my clients in um, my wealth management firm. I, I love those interactions. I love learning new things and sharing them with clients and updating their plans and, and making sure that they get to where they want to go. So I'll always continue to do that. Um, but you know, there, there comes a time where you decide how big do you want that to get, right? Mm -hmm. And I've, I've just kind of consciously made the decision that I'm not really, you know, too intrigued, let's call it, with building something up that big. So that gives me mm -hmm. some time to, to, you know, donate, if you will, seed into, um, invest in, what the industry is going to look like five, 10, 15, 25 years from now by yeah. when. So that's kind of my why. It's got a, a somewhat of a two-pronged why to help people um, that I work with one-on-one -on -one inside my wealth management firm find their way, act as their financial guide, um, partner with them to get to where they want to go, and um, teaching those lessons uh, in some shape or form inside the jumpstart community. Nice. And you obviously have a great passion for the industry. Do you want to share some like specific examples? I mean, I know you can't talk about specific clients, but maybe just touch on a few examples or um, times where you really felt great about what your job is and what you do. Yeah, I have one. I have one. I have several, but I'll have one that I can tell. I, I have a client that I've been working with um, probably about two years now. Um, and when we first started working together, <clears throat> her husband was involved in the process. And that's pretty typical. But you always have one client, at least in my experience, that kind of takes the lead in the relationship. And they do they, they attend 100 percent of the meetings, whereas the other one is kind of in the background. And so yeah. she was the one that took the lead. And so um, it had been a while since I had, you know, uh, caught up with her husband. <clears throat> and it was a day that we had already scheduled to meet her and I, and um, it was his birthday. And so he comes in because they were going to go out and they had some type of outing for that day. And uh, her and I are doing the meeting and we're, you know, going back and forth, da, 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 da. And then he comes in and kind of interrupts the meeting. And he says, hey, Dominique, I just want to let you know that um, I really, really appreciate the work that you've been doing with our family, specifically with my wife. And um, I I just want to say that I've noticed a change in her demeanor. Like I see that she's less stressed, less anxious, less frustrated. Um, and she has more of a calm and a peace about her. So it was like, I just, I just really want to let you know that I noticed yeah. that and I appreciate it. And he was like, that's all. See you later. Peace. Uh, <laughs> I was like, Wow, that was like one of the <laughs> highest compliments I've ever had. Um, yeah, and, and that's what 
that's what I think this industry has the ability to do for people. And that's what I mean when I'm saying changing family trees and things like that. And, you know, we don't always talk about it maybe in society, but, you know, um, the stress that comes from not being confident about your financial plan and your financial situation as you get older, I can imagine only is intensified in compounds. You know, there's probably a lot that um, I know, at least recently, let's call it in the last five to 10 years, that's been said about mental health. But what about the mental health attached to how you feel about your finances, right? Yeah. That's probably not talked about enough, but I think it affects a lot of people tremendously, right? You know, yeah, if you're, 100%. You, know you think about... Yeah, you think about being 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, this client has gone on 70, um, and not being confident as years pass and you know you have less time left on the earth, right? But to, to, but, but to exchange that feeling with the confidence that you know that your needs will be met, and not only that, you'll have, you have a plan for uh, passing on what you've worked so hard for, all that... Um, having all those things kind of checked off or crossed off, if you will, in your life, as you see the end of your life coming, gives you a peace of mind that I don't know that you can put a price tag on. So I think that's yeah. what he's alluding to when he uh, paid me that compliment. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome story. I love to hear it. Um, and just kind of switching gears a little bit um, here at Michigan State, we have a wealth management minor program. And that's kind of the CFP courses. Once you finish that coursework, you're able to sit for the CFP. Um, do you have any advice for students maybe in that program or even students outside the program looking to maybe get involved with the industry? Yeah, I have a lot to say about CFP. So um, I am a CFP. Um, I decided to go after the Certified Financial Planner certification around four year 14, 15 in, in the career. So I didn't do it immediately. I didn't make that decision immediately, which is a little different than anyone that's like, you know, undergrad studying this stuff. But I think uh, we do have some things in common. Um, the first is the realization that there needs to be a standard for the profession. Um, when you think about, you know, medicine or law or even accountancy, right? You have certain designations and ways to go about it that everybody kind of accepts. Um, that's where I feel, that's where I hope the CFP designation, I think that's, that's the seat I would like to see the CFP hold inside the financial planning profession. I do believe it's a profession. Now, granted, I believe yeah. under the larger umbrella of financial services, there are a lot of things, including CFP. But when we're talking specifically the financial planning profession, I think the CFP is the gold standard. And I think that's what yeah. people are interested in financial planning should pursue. Um, and I don't think it should be an easy path because it's not easy to, um, it's not easy for anything that's worth having and that people are successful at. And this shouldn't be any different. So uh, my advice for anyone in that program or thinking about that is just to kind of consider and count the cost. I have some, some, um, and we can link this up in the description, but I have some for sure. you know, like a checklist for, for people to kind of go through that involves, you know, the first part of what I feel is kind of like the discovery or ex exploration. You kind of decide 
what is it about this career that you like? You explore your why, you talk to people that are in the industry, da 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 da. You then do analysis uh, with all the information that you just gathered. Like, what do you need to do with that? Do, do you need to go back and take some more classes? If you're a career changer, um, do you need to find a study program? Da 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 da, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, obviously the decision of going down that path. If you're in it already, you've probably done a lot of those steps. I would say this is a time in your life where it's going to feel like all you do is study. All you do is do the question bank. All you do is, you know, classes and all trying to remember grats and gruts and crats and cruts and all this other kind of stuff. I, I get it. Yeah. However, it will pass. This will pass. This will yeah. be very small blip on the radar after you're looking back years and years. So with that in mind, I would say my advice is to enjoy the process. I know that seems a little hard, but it's going to make it so much easier for you it, instead of resisting it. Like just embrace the process, enjoy the process. Yeah. It, it, it will pass. It's it's difficult and it's difficult for a reason. I remember those days <laughs> where I was <laughs> 20 to 25 hours a week. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was I didn't have the luxury of being in school full time uh, at that time. So, so to concentrate fully on that, I had, you know, three kids that were teenagers. I was married. I was working a job that committed me 50 to 60 hours a week. I was in grad school. Like I had a lot of yeah. stuff. So I, I don't even think it's going to get easier per se. Um, I think advice would be if you're going down that path, if you're interested in it, you're coming out of high school, early in college. And if you know that's what you want to do, because you've done the requisite amount of research, this is the best time to do it. When you don't, yeah. when you, uh, let's say, lesser obligations than you would if you're older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're getting married, bringing kids into the family. <laughs> this other kind of stuff it gets it gets harder so i believe uh, it get out the way <laughs> yeah was it worth it oh absolutely absolutely i i mean awesome to hear i don't think that i have rarely met a person that has decided to work with me just because i have cfp behind my name and i and i do a pretty good job of asking people why they came to work with me and they just don't name that as a reason however however I do think that the information inside the CFP program, I believe the, the people that you'll meet going down that path that have made the same decision as you is going to set you apart. All of these are variables into an equation that, you know, only your, your, you know, you living out your life will, you know, show us the results of that. But I think you get to understand a lot of information that is useful for the planning process to give clients a, a comprehensive and holistic view of their financial picture. Um, and I, yes, I do. I believe it's worth it. If people want to put the time in, you know, I was just uh, on, uh, maybe it was LinkedIn. I can't remember one of my social channels that somebody was telling me, I posted something about the CFP exam because the window yeah. was passed and somebody posted or replied back to me. They were like, you know, I've already tried it three times. I'm taking a year off and, and I get it, you know, mm -hmm. I get it. like it's not the easiest exam to pass. There's only, you know, six out of 10 people that, 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 that do successfully pass it on the first try. And so uh, if you're part of that 
hey, I feel your pain. Like I, I get it. I get it. I've I haven't passed the C I haven't failed the CFP exam, but I have failed other exams. And I, I know what that's like to put in all that time and then you have to start over. So I totally get it. This is the reason why I tell people count the cost before you start the the process because you you ideally only want to sit one time. Yeah. So um and then you mentioned people could reach out to you. What's probably the best way to reach out to you with questions or just to connect? Yeah, the best way to connect with me is uh was well, two ways. Um the best way would be uh one of the best ways would be LinkedIn. Um I okay. accept most of my connection requests. Now, disclaimer, if you connect with me because you saw a video and you pepper me with like 15 questions, like I'm probably not gonna answer that. Right now. Um, you know, there's a I've I'm looking at my YouTube channel right now and I have probably over like publicly listed over 50 videos on subjects about basically everything you need to know about a financial services career. So what you may get in a response is, have you watched the videos on my YouTube channel, right? That might be, yeah. you know, part of my answer to you. But, you know, to connect with me, send me a connection question on LinkedIn, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, th those are the best ways to um, to stay in the, let's call it the loop of content that I create mm -hmm. um, and, and get what you need so you can move to the next level. Awesome. And we'll put that in the description below. And Dominique, it was great having you on. Really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely, man. Nice to meet you, Lance. And uh, keep up what you're doing. I, I, um, I appreciate the program that Stephen has put together there uh, at MSU. So hopefully you're taking full advantage of it. Yeah. Thanks for being on. All right. Thanks. If you like what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. MSU WMA or Michigan State Wealth Management Association is a student-run organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and create the next generation of financial planners. As always, thank you for listening on today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please check us out on our channels on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And... Also check us out on our socials at MSU WMA and MSUWMA.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs>